welcome to the IH Podcast, where we profile fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, communication specialist Melissa Clay speaks with Michelle Berger, Associate Professor of Women's and Gender Studies and Director of the IEH Faculty Fellowship Program. In their conversation, Professor Berger talks about her courses she's currently teaching and shares a couple of stories about former student Park Cannon, currently serving as a state representative for Georgia House District 58. So let's start by talking about this new academic year. We have a new cohort of faculty fellows. How do you prepare for this time when you are welcoming uh, a new group of, of fellows? They're coming in. They know that they have this semester leave to work on projects. What are you thinking about and how do you prepare for, for them? So I take a look at the mix of fellows that we have in terms of faculty rank because that makes a difference in terms of the kinds of projects that they may be engaged in. It also makes a difference in terms of the kinds of topics we might want to talk about together. So if we have many people who are assistant faculty members, I'm more inclined then to build in some topics about how to get your first book published, you know, what's the role of mentoring, you know, what are the kinds of things that you need. If we have people that are further along in their career who are associate or full professors, I'm thinking more about how do you stay really engaged and revitalized with your work. So I also think a lot about restoration. Mm -hmm. So of course, in the Faculty Fellows Program, um, people are highly productive. They're very excited about having a leave. But it's also a time, as any sabbatical or leave is, is to do some self-reflection. And so I try to lay the groundwork for some questions about, you know, where are you in your career? What's really motivating you right now? What are you excited about? Where are you fatigued or depleted, Mm -hmm. Um, and also things like, what does your working space look like? What does your writing space Mm -hmm. look like? Is it time for rethinking that, freshening that up, perhaps? Mm -hmm. What are you teaching this semester? I'm currently teaching the Intro to Feminist Thought class, which is a 200-level class, which introduces students to how people have talked about gender and equity all the way from the 1700s to today, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And usually students take this after taking our Intro to Women's and Gender Studies. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching an upper division course called Theorizing Black Feminisms, and that's a course where you have graduate students who can take the course and undergraduates, the way it's listed. Um, And it's just a dynamic course where we look at how African-American women have theorized about the what we call the intersection of race, class, and gender. And what I've seen over the last almost decade of teaching this course is that is always a course that I thought was relevant, but I think because of contemporary issues, uh, it continues to be a course where we can look at really um, contentious issues, contemporary issues. So everything from Beyonce's video, Lemonade, and how Mm -hmm. she's working out issues of identity and relationship to thinking about what Ida B. Wells was writing. Ida B. Wells was a very famous anti-lynching crusader and um, activist for civil rights and women's rights, how she was making commentary about the criminal justice system and police brutality all the way to thinking about the work that African-American women are doing in Black Lives Matter. So mm-hmm. I find it to be a deeply engaging course for what I bring to it, but also what the students bring to it with mm-hmm. their interests. And what, uh, and that leads me to my next question, 
What are your best or favorite moments in teaching? So one of the things that continues to excite me about teaching is thinking about how uh, I can engage the students in really deep, mindful discussions of the work at hand. And so I like it best in some ways when I become somewhat invisible as the facilitator, that I set up the context for students to engage deeply with questions and guide them along, but that they're doing a lot of the learning in kind of a peer group environment. I think also trying to make the space accessible and safe, but also to say this is a space where we're going to deal deeply with intellectual ideas. Mm -hmm. And being uncomfortable in doing that is not the same as feeling unsafe, right? And so that we we can look very critically at some issues that make us feel uncomfortable, but we can respect each other civilly as, we, as we're talking about those issues. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways you have been able to keep this space safe during those uncomfortable moments? So it goes back to usually how I set up the dynamics for our first week. And so I spent a lot of time in all of my classes thinking together about what are some of the ground rules for civil engagement And what are some things uh, in the literature gets talked about as student incivilities? So things that students do that professors don't like. And so we talk a little bit about that. And that can mean being such an overeager student that you talk over other people, Mm -hmm. right? You're so excited about your own ideas that you don't listen. But we also talk about professor incivilities. So usually students, they want to engage, but they also want to know that a professor is going to step in when someone is being demeaned or there's a slur that's been brought up. So we, so I openly talk about, you know, what are the ways we're going to engage together? Mm-hmm. And usually that conversation, they feel some co-ownership with that because I also ask them to say, well, what's, what's not on the table that you think should be on the table? And so that helps when we get into more difficult territory One technique that's often used when things get really challenging is just to have people step back. And let's let's look at this from plus and minus, right? Let's kind of depersonalize it and kind of think about it in the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I'm also really comfortable with silence in the classroom. So when something seems to be falling apart, not necessarily in a bad way, but when we seem to be at an impasse, I like to, what I call, take the temperature of the room. So what are we unable to say? Can we can we look at that and can we sort of think about what's not being said or very difficult to say? Mm-hmm. I also have been trying to bring in more of the work on mindfulness. And mindfulness typically just means that we try to pay attention to what's in the present moment and not get overwhelmed or distracted. And I'm finding that to be a a great lens because I can also talk about it from a scientific angle, like what happens when we slow down, mm-hmm. as well as kind of what's the value of this. So, for example, in my large introduction to women's and gender studies class that I just taught last semester, I built in a mindfulness break. So it's a hour and 15-minute class. Mm-hmm. They know 35 minutes in, I said, you're going to get an invitation to stop for five minutes. And they were invited to think of their mindfulness break and, and practice in any way. So some people came up and talked to me. Some people went to the restroom. Some people checked their phone. But a lot of students actually either looked at their notes or they talked to a classmate about what we had just been talking about. And then kind of coming back, it was a way to 
have them kind of engage more deeply and myself engage more deeply. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, um, as one of the indicators, a lot of students on the evaluations at the end of the semester talked about that the mindfulness break was really helpful to them for them to process content. So that was a a nice, unexpected outcome. That is great. I think I'm going to use that. I find it challenging to meditate, but the idea of mindfulness is broader than that, which I find very helpful. I think we could all use a mindfulness break. We won't take it right now because people who are listening wouldn't understand. But um, <laughs> it's great to hear you talk about the students and your, and your interaction with them, uh, especially given one of the people I want to talk about is a former student of yours who we've invited to do an event, at, and you'll be participating in that. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. We're all really excited. We're going to have Park Cannon, who is a Georgia state legislator and a Carolina alum who majored in linguistics and minored in women and gender studies. And you were her professor. I was. <laughs> <laughs> if you could talk about what it was like to teach her and, and your interactions with her and uh, this event coming up where you'll have an opportunity to converse with her. Well, one, it's just a such a meaningful experience to see a student like Park really succeed very early on. And um, she was one of those students who stood out among many strong students. I taught her in a class called Women of Color in Contemporary U.S. Social Movements. Mm-hmm. And so the context of that class is that we really start with a little bit about civil rights, which many people know something about, but then we kind of problematize issues of leadership, who gets to be seen as a leader, and then we really talk from the contemporary moment on. So learning about the environmental justice movement, learning about um, LGBTQ movements, and learning about women of color's role in them. And so that was a very dynamic class, and Park was in that class. And I think I saw really the roots of a sense of social activism and and engagement. Mm -hmm. I think sharing this, she probably will share some of this when she comes, but she had come from another university and had had a a very bad experience, very racialized experience at that university. And so she was, I think, a bit wary of classrooms, Mm -hmm. of professors. And so in getting to know her through that class, uh, it was clear, though, that she had a lot to offer um, in terms of her own development. And I, I think she also is someone who is a great model for thinking about the value of the hum- of humanities and the value of women's and gender studies. Mm-hmm. So she takes her critical lens and applies that to her everyday political actions, right, as, as a legislator. And I think women's and gender studies helps people to develop, one, thinking critically about what impact they might have in the world. And they can do that in a lot of different ways. There's no one women's or gender studies job. There are just many ways to serve, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And she's a great example of that. I also had her in the course that I was talking about um, a few minutes ago, the Intro to Feminist Thought. And that's really where um, students are encouraged to not just think about this body of work as outside of themselves, but think about, you know, what does it mean to engage in issues around feminism as well as feminist thought? What does it mean to them to be a social thinker and someone civically engaged? And Park took those questions very seriously. And I think she comes from 
a family who has had interest and some connection to earlier civil rights movements. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, I think she was really primed. And we, we gave her kind of a, a wonderful runway for her to develop her talents and skills. And we're extremely proud of her as a department. That's wonderful. One other thing I want to ask you is uh, what book has changed your life or your perspective? I will say a book that was very important to me in college that kind of shaped some lenses for me was a book by Alice Walker, and not necessarily one of her most famous books. It was called The Temple of My Familiar. And it was a book that tried to engage in a a broad kind of mythic landscape of women's empowerment, let's say. And uh, it engaged in issues of colonialism. It engaged in issues of race and gender. And it was such a kind of a mind-expanding book. Um, And I also remember the character, one of the characters was an academic, Mm -hmm. and she left academe to become a massage therapist. (laughs) Now, now, um, the reason why it was kind of interesting is that it gave all of the background of how people can become, in some ways, disembodied um, and disenchanted being an academic. I was really clear in college that it was important to move the work of women of color sort of theories and methodologies from this marginal position into a kind of main position. And I wanted to be one of those people to do the research and writing around that. And so even though this character made a different choice, it it gave me kind of a, a template to think about what I could do. And the idea of being able to teach the next generation of thinkers about all of the people I was excited about in college Mm -hmm. really was such a motivating factor. And um, if I can share just one other little tidbit about that. um, Yes, please. Something that I usually tell my students not to do now. But when I was applying to graduate school in political science, I had at the top of the graduate application the quote by Audre Lorde, who was another thinker and writer that was really important to me in college. And it said, in our world, divide and conquer should become define and empower. And that was such a central idea for me and and also kind of connected to, to some degree, Alice Walker's work and legacy. And I tell my students now, you probably shouldn't put a quote at the top and you probably shouldn't start (laughs) off with, I was born in Kentucky or whatever. But, But to show one's passion for what intellectual work can be and what it means to be a scholar was really important to me and really powerful. That is incredibly inspiring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for your time. Thank you. Bart Cannon will join Michelle Berger and linguistics professor Misha Becker on Thursday, November 17th from 1 to 3 at Grand Memorial Building. They'll discuss Representative Cannon's civic engagement and the role of humanities in her public life. The event is open to the public. Check back at ieh.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all of our episodes on our website as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.